Hey, Katie. Hi, Ben. Hi, I uh, was hoping we could play a little game. I'm going to try and guess what we're going to talk about today. And you oh, can okay. tell me I'm warmer or colder. Yeah, I know this game. Yeah, all right. Uh, I think everyone's played this game at some point as a kid. Uh, so are we going to talk about an interview done with someone that pertains to data science? Colder. Okay, so not it's the wrong... Yeah, try again. Are we going to talk about some kind of algorithm? Warmer. Okay. Are we going to talk about some sort of uh, learning? Much warmer. Ooh, that's good. Okay. Are we going to talk about teaching data science? Colder. Okay. Well, so I'm gonna yeah, go back to the way that I think you mean it, colder. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. I'll go back to learning. Um, are we going to talk about reciprocal learning? <laughs> uh, y- you're very warm in terms of the what the word sounds like. I don't think reciprocal learning is a thing, but... Right, okay. Alphabetically, I'm close. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So actually, I, know, I already know the answer, right? But this is, this is all a gag, but um, reinforcement learning. Reinforcement learning, yes, very hot. You you are on fire. All right, you are listening to Linear Digressions. Okay, so would you care to tell me why I played that game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the idea was to have a little bit of an illustration of what reinforcement learning actually is about, because uh, we're going to be talking about reinforcement learning. This is kind of the first in in a two-parter of sorts. So this one is where we'll summarize a little bit of what's, uh, what are some of the problems that people are trying to solve with reinforcement learning? What is reinforcement learning? And the idea okay. of reinforcement learning is it's a kind of semi-supervised learning. So you don't have labeled training examples the way that you do with uh, a fully supervised classifier, let's say, or regression model. On the other hand, you are getting some kind of feedback from your environment. So you can in a way, figure out if you're kind of moving in the right direction. And, um, but that, that, um, supervision is not particularly, it's not really strong the way that it is with supervised, um, supervised cases. So, and we'll talk about sort of what I mean by this. And so what we did there in the introduction, the kind of hotter, hotter, colder, colder is you're exploring the space a little bit of what are the things that we could be talking about. And I'm giving you guidance kind of bumping you back onto the path that's going to eventually lead you to the correct answer and yeah, giving you so some kind of like encouragement. Giving me yeah. positive and negative feedback. Exactly. Um, and in that case, I was giving you a, sort of an unfair advantage that many reinforcement learning systems uh, don't give to their, mm-hmm. to their little um, AI, artificial intelligent, um, you know, little agents in that uh, every time that you asked a question, I answered it completely honestly and correctly. There was no uncertainty that you were getting the wrong information from me when, of course, sometimes when you're interacting with a complicated environment, you can get sort of noisy results back. So reinforcement learning is also designed to uh, deal with uncertainty in the algorithms themselves. So maybe, uh, could we start off with maybe an example of, uh, well, I don't know, like, I mean, one, one that I th- feel like might connect is that of a Roomba trying to clean your house or something. Yeah. So reinforcement learning. Yeah. A lot of the examples, uh, and the early use cases are in robotics and we'll talk more about the Roomba in the next episode, 
but oh will we yeah yeah so but the idea is you have a Roomba and let's imagine that the Roomba is not something that is explicitly programmed to know its way around your house and in fact let's generalize it a little bit more because a Roomba just sort of has one task which is cover the carpet with your little vacuum brushes <laughs> but imagine right. that the that the robot has a more general task which is clean my apartment yeah and, and like, so when it's, so, so are, are we imagining like robot like bicentennial man robot that's that's like bipedal and is walking around your house and kind of naively interacting with the world but has maybe fewer of the constraints that everybody knows that a Roomba has like the, the Roomba kind of obviously has a limited ability to sense its environment whereas if you imagine like a pseudo humanoid robot that's just very naive uh maybe that problem becomes a little more generalized well the the limitation is really your imagination here i think that okay the Roomba is more realistic in any kind of short-term situation but reinforcement learning is used in all different kinds of robotics in fact there are uh, robotic systems that do things like learn how to walk and learn how to recover their balance if you try to push them over and things like that. And very often those kinds of complicated um, dynamics of, of how it actually goes through those motions, a lot of times it'll learn, uh, at least in part, using reinforcement learning systems. But let's imagine that it's, yeah, that it's somewhere in between a Roomba and a little, you know, C-3PO that that why don't we say r2d2 i think that's a good mental model so it's it can it can roll around it's got a little bit of like appendages that it can stick out but it's not like fully humanoid okay so r2d2 lives in your house and it wants to clean your house for you and um it's it's brought into your house not knowing anything about what's going on in your house it just knows i'm supposed to clean things and so the first thing that we should point out is that this is an autonomous agent Uh, So it has to figure out what it's supposed to do in order to clean things. And the way that it decides what to do between the different options that it has is uh, it has something called a reward function. And so the reward function is going to be some kind of mathematical formula that's programmed into the algorithm itself that says what you want to do is you want to optimize for Ben's house being clean. And Mm. we have to think very carefully about how to define that exactly. And that's what we'll talk more about in the next episode. But for now, I just want to introduce the idea of the reward function being something like clean house. Katie, so my reward function in the example in the introduction would be if you say warmer or something like warm or hot or really hot, that's good. And if you say colder, that's bad. Yes. So really, really simple. Yes. And so now the R2-D2 is going to wander around to your apartment uh, trying things. And sometimes those things are going to work. Sometimes they're not going to particularly work, but it's going to be collecting feedback uh, from the environment. So it might do something like bump into a wall and that's a piece of feedback. And it knows that now there's a wall there, or it might learn that there's a set of stairs and it should stay away from the stairs or it might learn that. I'm um, I'm really sorry. I just have to say, I'm really mm -hmm. wishing that I had an R2D2 soundboard in front of me. (laughs) I'm really like the sounds as you talk. I'm really liking this example now that it's R2-D2 because I was reading this oh, yeah. paper and it was just a cleaning robot, but now it's a really friendly little cleaning robot. And so what R2-D2 is going to try to do, and, and there's several different flavors of reinforcement learning, so we're really just kind of skimming the surface of one of them, but 
uh, you get you get sort of some of the high points here. What it's generally going to try to do is learn what's called a policy, and a policy is a set of rules that it figures out um, that says in a given situation, what am I going to do? Uh, so for the case of something like a cleaning robot, if I come upon some kind of mess, what am I going to do about it? Or how am I going to prevent future messes, let's say, from happening? So you could have something that's a little bit more complicated about, I see that the window is open and it's very windy and there's a stack of papers right in front of it and maybe I should close the window instead of clean up the papers. You know, there's there's a bunch of different ways that it could um, interpret things in and come up with what's called a policy as a result of sort of all of those heuristics that it learns. And then those interact with the reward function because what it's trying to do is come up with a set of actions that it can take that will maximize the reward function based on sort of the probabilities that it calculates of success of various actions. So one example of this is let's say you have your robot and it wants to clean up your house. It sees that there's a pile of Cheerios that have fallen on the floor. So little Uh cereal pieces. And let's imagine that you're a robot that really doesn't know anything about the world. How are you going to, what are some of the things that you could imagine trying? You've been programmed with maybe some stuff about um, some, some heuristics for how to wash dishes and how to clean a toilet and how to sweep a floor and how to dust the furniture. But you don't necessarily know what any of those things mean. You just know the actions. And so uh, what are, right. what's that going to look like when you try each of those things on the Cheerios on the floor? I see. This could end. Um, this could end with failure in a lot of these cases. Like I imagine, let's say I R two D two decide, hey, there's a mess in front of me. I know that in some situations, cleaning things with a wet sponge would help. <laughs> so maybe I should try that. And then you end up with just more of a mess, and your Cheerios are everywhere, and you've got water all over. But then, I mean, that's presumably a negative thing in terms of the reward function so you're so the robot is de-incentivized from doing that um again and then maybe another time i might uh the the robot might try sweeping it up with uh with a broom and a dustpan or something and maybe that works better and so it's more incentivized to try that again in the future maybe even with certain alterations or something Right. And so the thing there, there are a few things that are really nice about this system then is you just have to start out by maybe laying some fundamental ground rules, like what are the things that you're allowed to do and a, a reward function that you should be thoughtful about. But once the reward function is set, then the, um, the little robot is going to go about figuring out how to actually accomplish those tasks. Um, And so one of the things that's nice about reinforcement learning is that you don't have to necessarily explicitly pre-program it about how it's going to deal with every specific situation it comes up with. What it's going to do is start exploring all the options that it has and learning about what seems to pay off and what doesn't. And then uh, at some point you start to transition into a little bit more of a exploration versus exploitation uh, trade-off. So this is a little bit like what we talked about with multi-armed bandit problems and things like that, that you always have a choice of, do I want to try something new or do I want to stick with kind of the best available option as I'm aware yeah. of it right now? And when you try something new, that means you're gathering more information, but it also means you may be doing uh, less ideal things. Exactly. So the robot could keep trying all kinds of like, maybe we could try Windex on this aerial. Maybe we could try all kinds of things if it's doing a lot of um, 
exploration versus exploitation, that also means it's going to be a lot less um, effective during that period of time. And so yes. eventually, once the robot has a lot of information about the things that work and the things that don't, it pro- that do- uh, that doesn't, it'll probably want to shift uh, its its I guess function from doing more exploration to doing a little more exploitation. Otherwise you know, the, the human owner is going to be like, this robot's always just doing crazy stuff and it never cleans my floor, so. <laughs> it's just it's just learning about itself, Ben. It's discovering the world. Now, actually, um, <laughs> I need to, I just need to say one thing about that. Mm-hmm. The whole time we've been talking about this, this, this all seems very unremarkable to me. And I was thinking, like, why is that? Have I heard of this before? And fundamentally, I, I think... I've been doing this my whole life. It seems that this is exactly the way that humans explore the world and learn about the world. You know, like you come out of the womb and you don't have a script and you don't even have a very clear reward function. You kind of figure that out uh, based on the way other people around you um, react to, to your actions. And also you don't even have a clear set of actions. You know, babies just kind of flail their limbs around and see what happens. Uh, and then eventually those actions become more constrained as they figure out what yields actual rewards. I think that's a really good point. Of all the kinds of machine learning that I've learned about, reinforcement learning always feels the most human in a way. And I think that that's reflected in the fact that the things that we really think of as artificial intelligence, many of them have reinforcement learning running under the hood and not Mm. uh, strict supervised classification or unsupervised learning. So just to come up with like a quick list to be concrete about what are some of the things that are cool going on in reinforcement learning. Um, first of all is AlphaGo, the Go playing Go, the game of Go, sort of like chess, but harder for computers to play <laughs> ostensibly. And we had a, we had a episode about this. Uh, yeah, we longer. had, yeah, we had a couple, we had a, a sort of full blown episode. And then I think we had an update episode when it played the really good human a couple months ago. Uh, So AlphaGo is this artificial intelligence that was optimized for beating humans at Go, which it was able to do a couple of months ago, uh, much faster than anyone predicted a computer was going to be able to do that. That's based on deep reinforcement learning. There's also aspects of the self-driving car programs, and there are several of these that are being done at different institutions, and so each of them might have their own interpretation of exactly how to do self-driving cars, but reinforcement learning is a major part of that. You get guidance from the driver or from the system, uh, sort of the environment that the car is in, telling it what a stoplight means, for example, that the car could figure that out on its own. Third example we've already touched on a little bit is robotics. A lot of the early reinforcement learners are people who are trying to figure out how a robot can be dropped into a new situation and start exploring the environment and figuring out what it's supposed to do in that environment. And then another one that you don't always hear about quite as often in sort of the machine learning data science circles, but is another place where this has been going on for a long time, is in a field that's called operations research. Operations research is centers on a lot of times things like optimizing a supply chain, or you can imagine like an assembly line where there's many points uh, that are all intertwined together. And each of those points can fail potentially. And the failures from one point can propagate through to some of the other points. And so then you don't really have an agent like a robot, but you do have a policy that you can come up with in terms of what kinds of, let's say you, in the case of a, 
assembly line, you can be keeping reserves of um, inputs for one machine so that if the machine that's one step up, upstream of it goes down, that machine that um, that's downstream can still keep on working even though um, you know there might be a little bit of a pause in the supply chain. You have a little bit of a reservoir there that you can work through. Or um, figuring out if you have some money that you can put into repairs, where are the places where you should go to repair? Are you going to repair the the machines that go down the most often? Are you going to go repair the machines that are the, the most costly to the overall um, assembly line when they go down these kinds of, of optimizations? Mm, yeah. And how do you deal with these sort of complicated, uncertain systems? That all sounds really interesting. Um, we're kind of running out of time for this episode, but um, do we have more to say on this topic? Because... We can, make yeah. this, we can make this the two-parter. Right, yes. So where we're going with this is kind of introduce some of the idea behind reinforcement learning, some of the heuristics, things like reward functions and policies. And what I want to talk about in the next episode is a really wonderful paper, extremely accessible, like not technical, but just fun to read. It's come out of a collaboration between Google Brain and researchers at UC Berkeley and at Stanford, and I think maybe OpenAI as well. And what they're exploring in this paper is where are the places that reinforcement learning can go wrong? Um, Not just reinforcement learning specifically, but sort of artificial intelligence more generally. And what are some of the things that we need to be on guard against? Not in the sense of like the robots are going to take over and kill us all, but there are many more mundane ways that you can get something that's not very well optimized, even though you think you're setting yourself up for success. Um, So we're going to talk about this really delightful paper that talks about all the ways that R2-D2 can accidentally create havoc when he's trying to clean your house. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.